Good evening, listeners. Welcome to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank. This is episode 48. I'm excited to be here with you all tonight. I am your host, and you're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, the key at Newton, Georgia. I hope everyone's having a great night. It's now time to enter the late night madness. Welcome to our NCAA college football recap of the week segment. Each week, we're going to be doing recap of two of the best noon Saturday games and two of the best late afternoon games and the two featured late Saturday night primetime games of the week, followed by our music news segment. But in our first game, we've got the Florida State Seminoles versus the Boston College Eagles. After blowing most of a 21-point lead, the number three Florida State escaped with a 31-29 victory over Boston College on Saturday and left the field the chance of overrated. The Seminoles won't have a lofty ranking to mock it if they keep this up. We dug our own hole, running back Rodney Hill said, after Florida State closed with three punts and a fumble, then managed to run out the clock only because BC committed its 18th penalty of the game. A face mask after a third down stop that would have forced a punt. We've got to back our team and really seal the deal. But DJ Lundy intercepted a pass to set up his own one-yard touchdown run as the Seminoles, who are now 3-0, scored four unanswered touchdowns to make it a 31-10 game before surviving a late BC charge for their ninth straight victory. Boston College, who are now 1-2, set a school record for penalties, missed an extra point, went for two after another touchdown, and failed, and opted not to kick a field goal from the Seminoles' five when trailing by 15 points early in the fourth quarter. But the Eagles still trailed by only two points, with the ball in the final three minutes before Kalen DeLoach sacked Thomas Castellanos on third down to stall BC's last possession. The Eagles stopped Lawrence Tofilo on a third and seven and would have gotten the ball back with about a minute left, but they were called for face masking. Just self-inflicted wounds, said BC quarterback Thomas Castellanos, who threw for 305 yards and one touchdown and ran for 95 and another score. We've just got to clean it up. Can't have it. Jordan Travis completed 16 of 24 passes for 212 yards and two touchdowns and ran for 38 yards for the Seminoles. FSU had its first close call of the season after winning its first two games by a combined 74 points. Kai Robichox scored from one yard out for BC to cut the deficit to 31-16 with a minute left in the third quarter. But Connor Lighton's kick failed. BC recovered a squip kick and advanced to the FSU 5 before getting stopped on 4th down. Kari Johnson recovered Tufila's fumble and ran it in to pull the Eagles within 9 points. BC went for 2 and failed, then stopped FSU for the 3rd straight time. The Eagles did that only once in the entire first half. They drove to the 7 before Castellanos froze the defense with a stutter step and ran it in on a 4th and 2 to make it 31-29. But BC's last possession stalled after Castellanos was sacked. The Seminoles needed a first down to kill the clock, and they got it on a face mask penalty after Tuafilla 
was stopped three yards short of the markers. Our standard is for us to get better every time we take the field, Florida State coach Mike Norvell said. But that did not happen today. And with these poll implications, the unexpectedly close victory over a team that had struggled against non-power five opponents won't impress the Associated Press Top 25. And that will actually take them down a notch. Florida State's image, as it tries to maintain position for a spot in the college football playoff, we're going to get back to what it means. But what we can we can take away from this game? is the Seminoles need to snap out of it in time for next week's game against Clemson, which could be the biggest hurdle remaining on their road to the playoffs. Boston College almost pulled off its biggest victory in decades, but is still looking for wins that would return to the bowl eligibility. But BC fell to 4-6 and six in the annual Red Bandana game that honors graduate Wells Crother, who died in September 11th attacks. The Eagles wore uniforms trimmed with the bandana theme and the name on each of the jerseys for Wells. BC beat number 9 Southern California in the first red bandana game back in 2014. But with the winds playing into it with the 35 mile per hour winds with the gusts, it really influenced the game. But Travis found Jaheim Bell on the next play at the 21 and he spun his way through the tacklers before he was barely brought down before the goal line. Lundy, a 244-pound linebacker who came in at fullback in the goal line situation, powered through it. But here's the thing. This is really concerning. BC committed 11 penalties in the first half. Seven of them were pre-snap, including two for disconcerting signals. A delay of game charged against the defense for imitating the snap count. In all, the Eagles had 18 penalties for 131 yards. In order for you to win a football game, you can't commit 18 penalties. But Travis was taken down by the ankle on a scramble in the first minute of the first half, and FSU's medical staff came in. So it was kind of troubling, but he did come back, and he did end up playing. So the Seminoles ran only one other play before the half, but they did come away with the victory. So in this game, it was the Florida State Seminoles who took the Boston College Eagles to the bank with a score of 31-29. Now we're on to our next game of the NCAA College Football Recap segment between the LSU Tigers versus the Mississippi State. So this was a lopsided loss to start the season. Had number 14 LSU looking to reestablish itself as a championship contender at the Southeastern Conference against Mississippi State. The Tigers looked every bit that part on Saturday. Malik Neighbors set a career high for 13 catches for 239 yards. Unreal. And scored two touchdowns. So Jaden Daniels ran for two scores and set a school record for passing accuracy. And number 14, LSU, beat Mississippi State, 41-14. The Tigers, who are now 2-1, outgained the Bulldogs, 310-79 in the first half. On the way to a 24-7 lead, LSU started the season with a three-touchdown loss against Florida State before getting a chance to work out some kinks against Grambling State in the last week's win. But then the Tigers had its first SEC game and made its two straight routes. And Daniels and Neighbors hooking up to the level that we've always wanted to see. We saw that on Saturday. 
said coach Brian Kelly. But if there continues to show itself, we're a pretty good football team. Will Rogers had his worst game as a starting quarterback at Mississippi State. As the senior was 11 for 28 for 103 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions. It was the fewest completions and yardage Rodgers had had as a starter. Not very good, obviously. And Rodgers said of the game, it's kind of back to the drawing board for us. We've got to stick together and get better. We can't dwell on this too long. We've got a big game next week on the road. And the Bulldogs, who are transitioning away from that late coach Mike Leach's air raid offense in that year one under Zach Arnett, managed just 201 yards. It was as bad as a defeat as you could look for. But they came out prepared. They played faster from the jump. And they dominated the football game. I've done a poor job in the evaluation of our football team. Said coach. But Daniels threw for 361 yards on 30 of 34 passing. The best completion percentage. 88.2% ever. For an LSU quarterback in a game. For at least 25 attempts. Unreal. He will forever be in the record books with that. He also rushed for 15 times. For 64 yards before he came out of midway through the fourth quarter with that 41-7 lead. There won't be a better performance in the country if there is. That would be amazing, Kelly said. But he really worked hard the past week getting on top of his throws. It was great to see that come into fruition. But here's a big picture. LSU, the Tigers had four sacks, including the first of the season by preseason All-American Harold Perkins. And LSU had just one sack in the first two games. But in this game, it was the LSU Tigers who took Mississippi State to the bank by the score of 41-14. We'll be right back with more of the NCAA College Football Recap segment. You don't want to miss it. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bug, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan. 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text k for k Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre tract is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. 
Rock Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at Newton, Georgia. And now we're on to our next game of the NCAA college football recap segment. It's between the South Carolina Gamecocks versus the Georgia Bulldogs. Number one, Georgia trotted off the field to a smattering of boos from the home crowd and facing its biggest halftime deficit in nearly three years. When the Bulldogs returned for the second half, they suddenly played like champs. Carson Deck passed for 269 yards. Dejuan Edwards, Dylan Bell, and Cash Jones ran for touchdowns. And the number one Georgia rallied to beat South Carolina 24-14 on Saturday. I was pretty excited at halftime, Coach Kirby Smart said. I knew we would find out what kind of team we have. He sure liked what he saw over the final two quarters as the two-time reigning national champion Bulldogs won their 20th consecutive game, wiping out a 14-3 deficit. Georgia, 3-0, totally shut down Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks, who are now 1-2, who managed to just have 129 yards over the final two quarters. After the break, Rattler completed just 6 of 24 passing for 104 yards with two interceptions on a soggy day that turned increasingly gloomy for South Carolina. It was just self-inflicted stuff, Rattler said. If we can clean that up, the outcome is probably a little different. With Beck completing 27 of 35 passes, the Georgia offense scored touchdowns on three of its first four possessions in the second half. The only blip being a drive that ended with a missed field goal. Edwards, who missed the first two games with a lingering knee injury, rushed for 118 yards on 20 carries. We came out with energy, said Beck. In his first year as Georgia's starting quarterback, we were composed, poised, and we started playing better, making those plays count. The Bulldogs took the second half kickoff and quickly drove 75 yards in six plays, scoring their first touchdown of the day on Edwards' seven-yard touchdown. After the Gamecocks went three and out, Georgia ripped off a 49-yard drive that ended with Bell, a receiver who has been getting extended time at running back, taking it in from the three to give Georgia its first lead of the game before the third quarter was halfway done. Finally, Georgia finally finished off the Gamecocks when Cash sauntered in from 13 yards out with just nine minutes remaining. The biggest thing is figuring out ways to win, said center Cedric Van Pran. The first half was a stunner as Rattler carved up the Bulldogs by complete, completing 16 of 18 passes for 152, including a 17-yard touchdown to Antoine Juice Wells Jr. on a third and 16 screen. It was the first time Georgia had trailed since last year's playoff semifinal victory over Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. Unfortunately for the Gamecocks, Wells sustained a foot injury on the scoring play and didn't return. The Bulldogs answered with Peyton Woodring's 31-yard field goal, but the Gamecocks tacked on another touchdown with just a left with a minute left in the half after Woodring missed the chip shot from 28 yards. Rattler guided South Carolina on a five-play, 80-yard drive that capped by Dakarian Joyner, powering in from the two, off a direct snap to push the margin to double digits. Rattler completed two passes for 53 yards 
and scrambled twice for 20 yards on the Lightning quick possession, which was helped along by a 15-yard face mask penalty on Georgia's Warren Brinson. The final play of the half summed it up for the Bulldogs. Beck was sacked near the midfield as the clock ran out, with Georgia facing its largest deficit. They really, But they figured out a way. And what can we take away from this game is they took adversity in front of them and they took it on head-on and kept moving forward. And taking A takeaway for South Carolina is that the Gamecocks have shown a lot of promise under Beamer and their performance over the first two quarters was certainly impressive. But the second half meltdown demonstrated that they're not quite ready for the primetime moment in the SEC. As for the Bulldogs, the running game got a big boost for the return of Edwards, who provided the sort of explosiveness they've been missing. But the Bulldogs have some troubling concerns in the kicking game, which has traditionally been one of their strongest areas. Woodring is just 3 of 6 on the year, including 2 misses from the inside the 30 yards. He also was wide right on a 43-yarder against the Gamecocks. We've seen so much better in practice from him. But what can we find from an injury report? Georgia lost offensive tackle Amarius Mims to what appeared a fairly serious left ankle sprain in the first half, while running back Kendall Milton left with an ailing left knee. The Bulldogs already were missing receiver Lade McConkie, who has yet to play this season because of a back issue, and star safety Javon Bullard with an ankle injury sustained the previous week against Ball State. As for Wells, Beamer said, the receiver may have a broken foot in his left foot, but with the pole implications in play, the second half blitz ensured that the Bulldogs will easily maintain their number one ranking position. Though they may lose a few first place votes here and there, but in this game, the Georgia Bulldogs took the South Carolina Gamecocks to the bank by a score of 24-14. Now we're on to our next game of the NCAA college football recap segment. We've got a thriller between the Kansas State Wildcats versus the University of Missouri Tigers. Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri coaching staff deciding in the closing seconds of a back and forth affair with Kansas State on Saturday that if the Tigers crossed midfield and reached the 40-yard line, they would give Harrison Mevis a chance to kick the winning field goal. Missouri made it to the Kansas State 38, and quarterback Brady Cook spiked the ball to stop the clock. Then the last, then that same play that the coaching staff staff inexplicably lost track of on the sideline, and the delay of game penalty came that pushed the kick back five yards. What would have been a 56-yarder, folks, became a 61-yard shot from the wrong side of midfield. It didn't matter though. After Cook threw incomplete trying to recoup the yardage, Mevis trotted onto the field anyway. And with the final few seconds ticking away, he boomed the SEC record for 61-yarder off the crossbar, sending the Tigers to a field-storming come-from-behind victory, 30-27, over the number 15 Wildcats and a showdown of the former Big 12 rivals. We took the penalty to make it more dramatic, Trinkowitz said afterward. This is all for TV anyway. Huh. Quite the fairy tale ending. I told him right before the kick. Listen, you've been doing this your whole life. This is your opportunity, Cook said. I was just on a knee watching. 
I just could not believe it that this happened. The beleaguered cook, who was booed by some home fans during introductions, finished with 356 yards passing and two touchdowns. Despite hobbling around the second half on a sprained knee, Luther Burden III had both of the scoring grabs for the Tigers, finishing with seven catches for 114 yards and another star-making performance. Redemption is a beautiful thing, Drinkowitz said. That pissed me off when we booed our starting quarterback to start the game. And he went out there and played his butt off for the team. Will Howard, who was likewise left hobbling after the brutally physical game, had 270 yards passing and three scores. But the senior also threw a costly pick. And the Wildcats blew too many chances on third down to put the game away. We had plenty of opportunities in all three phases. K-State coach Chris Kyleman said, This is what Big 12 football is going to be like starting next week. You better get used to it if we're going to be playing in tight ball games to win. The Wildcats started off like they finished a year ago when they rolled to a rain-soaked 40-12 victory in the first meeting since Missouri left the Big 12 for the SEC. Howard hit four different receivers while swiftly marching Kansas State down the field, and his third and goal throw, tipped by the Tigers' J.C. Carlys, landed in the hands of Phillip Brooks for the score. Rather than begin a blowout, the touchdown launched a thriller. Cook answered with a 47-yard touchdown heave to Burden, who spent most of the game making a mockery of the Kansas State secondary. And after Howard threw a pick in the tight coverage, Mevis added his first field goal to give Missouri, who had a huge game. When the Wildcats responded with a swift touchdown drive, the Tigers needed two big plays and about two and a half minutes to score again. This time, Cook finished the drive with a short run to send them into halftime with a 17-14 lead. That's about when Cook hurt his leg and for a while. The Missouri offense became stagnant. The Tigers punted twice to start the second half, and Kansas State turned them into a field goal, and Howard's second touchdown pass to Ben Sinut for a 24-17 lead. It was still 24-20 when the Wildcats squandered two chances to put the game away. Failing twice on third downs, and when Missouri took over after Howard's third and one fell incomplete, it took two plays Cody Schrader's 26-yard run and a personal foul penalty and Cook's 26-yard touchdown pass to Burden to cover 77 yards, making it a 27-24 game at that point in time. But the Wildcats had a chance to regain the lead with five and a half minutes to go. But with third and goal at the Missouri 3, Howard lost track of time and was called for a delay of game. Kansas State settled for a tying field goal and a costly one at, indeed. Mevis made sure of that with his kick, the one that bailed out his coaches on the game's final play. Unbelievable. 61-yard field goal to win the game. What can we take away from this game? For Kansas State, they beat itself at the most inopportune of times, along with the failed third downs. The Wildcats were penalized seven times for 65 yards. Their running game was bottled up in the second half, and Howard had far too many passes dropped. Those are all correctable mistakes going forward, but they proved costly 
on Saturday. As for Missouri, has been under pressure to move beyond mediocre under Drinkowitz, who has yet to have a winning record in three seasons. Despite going to three bowl games, that's part of the reason Cook was booed by fans, but who have been pinning for backup Sam Horn to take the field. The results Saturday could go a long way toward changing those narratives. But in this barn burner of a game, it was the Missouri Tigers who upset the number 15 Kansas State Wildcats by the score of 30-27. We'll be right back with more of the NCAA College Football Recap segment. You don't want to miss it. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location. Bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of the Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV 835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. As much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV 590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just repping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deer.com. Nothing runs like a deer. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie, I know nothing about cars, and I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. 
Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554. 800-579-6554. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key editor in Georgia. And now... We're on to our next game of the NCAA college football recap segment. It's between the Minnesota Golden Gophers versus the North Carolina Tar Heels. Drake May figured Nate McCollum was ready for a big game as North Carolina's top target Saturday. He told me before the game, man, Drake, I'm itching to play. That's what May said. He sure looked like it too. May threw for a season-high 414 yards to go with two touchdowns, while McCollum floored with a single-game UNC receiving record as the 20th-ranked Tar Heels pushed past Minnesota 31-13 on Saturday. May overcame two interceptions and ultimately provided the only reliable source of offense for the Tar Heels who were unable to run the ball against one of the nation's top defenses, but still posted 519 yards. And so much of it hinged on McCollum, who is in his first year at UNC after transferring from Georgia Tech. He had missed the season opener against South Carolina due to injury, then had one catch and limited snaps last week in a devil overtime win against Appalachian State. But Coach Mack Brown said McCollum, had indicated he was ready to play more, and he was terrific from the start against the Gophers. McCollum had 15 catches and 165 yards with a first-quarter touchdown and ended up falling one catch shy of tying the Tar Heels' single-game record. This week, they pushed me a little bit, but I pushed myself and did a little extra after practice, and I felt good. McCollum said, Clearly, May targeted him on 21 of 40 throws. The scoring catch came when McCollum got a step on his defender, then raised his arm to get May's attention on the rollout. May went deep to McCollum, who snagged the 46-yard score through contact from defender Aiden Gosby. It was just kind of happening to me at that point in time, said McCollum. Obviously, I'm just trying to throw the to the open guy, and they got it done. O'Marion Hampton and British Brooks each ran for short touchdowns with Brooks one-yard punching, clinching this one by punching a UNC win. But 31-13 lead at that point in time, five minutes mark of the fourth quarter, and Darius Taylor ran for 138 yards and a touchdown shortly before halftime to lead Minnesota. But the Gophers generated little else beyond the dynamic running for the true freshman. We had plenty of opportunities, Minnesota coach 
PJ Fluke said. I think everybody saw that. We had people open all over down the field. We had dropped balls, tip balls, balls that were inaccurate, balls that missed the explosive plays, and we were still in the game. But what can we take away from this ball game is that for Minnesota, the Gophers had gone 19-1 against non-conference foes under Fleck, and the defense had led this year's effort by entering this game ranked in the top 10 nationally in total defense with 223.5 yards and scoring defense with 8. That unit smothered UNC's rushing game most of the day, who had 105 yards allowed, 2.8 yards per carry, after the Tar Heels got 234 yards on the ground from Hampton last week. But the Gophers struggled to stop May from pushing the ball down the field. As for UNC, May finally had a big passing game to start his season of high expectations. But this was as much about McCollum's performance too. The Tar Heels have needed to find a new top target with Josh Downs in the NFL. That was expected to be Kansas State's transfer, Devontae Walker, and he has been unable to receive a waiver to play immediately. But on Saturday, it was McCollum, and now his chance to keep it. Athen Kalamanis threw for 133 yards on 11 of 29 passing for Minnesota. He also left briefly in the third quarter due to leg cramps, with backup Cole Kramer coming on to take over the ultimately throwing a deep ball interception to end a drive with UNC leading just 21-13 at that point in time. I feel like everybody showed up but me, honestly, Kalamanis said. But the stat that mattered most was that UNC converted 12 of its 17 third downs in this one after entering the game as one of the nation's leaders in that category. Minnesota went just 3 of 12 in that game. Without the poll implications coming clear, North Carolina, which opened the year at 21, was 27 last week, could see a modest bump with a second non-conference win against a Power 5 opponent. A win would have given Minnesota the chance to crack the AP Top 25 after spending one week at number 21 last September. But Walker's situation remains prominent in the minds of the UNC's players and fans. The team wore shirts with his number 9 and name before the game, Walker paced the sideline checking in on May and the teammates during the game. But in this game, it was the North Carolina Tar Heels who took the Minnesota Golden Gophers to the bank by the score of 31-13. Now we're on to our next game of the NCAA College Football Recap Segment between the University of Tennessee Volunteers versus the University of Florida Gators. Billy Napier. Navigated a sea of family, friends, and waiting to congratulate them. On his most significant victory as Florida's head coach, he shook hands. He was in no hurry, but they celebrated. Trevor Etienne ran for a career-high 172 yards and a touchdown. Montreal Johnson scored twice, and Florida upset number 11 Tennessee 29-16 on Saturday night to extend the Volunteers' losing streak in Gainesville to 10. The victory was the first in a rivalry for Napier, who last year became the first coach in school history to lose to Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, and Florida State in the same season. Getting the initial one under his belt should 
quell outside noise about Napier's long-term viability with the Gators, who are now 2-1. and one. But it validates your plan, what you're selling to a degree, Napier said. That's what you want as a leader. That's a lot more fun. But for the volunteers, on this 550-mile trip from Knoxville, and in much like all the others the last two decades, and heartache. Tennessee last won at Swamp in 2003. The skid started with Phil Fulmer and spans the Tennessee coaching tenures of Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley, but Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt, and now Josh Hoople. Tennessee, who is now 2-1, looked like it had a good chance as any end to its road to this drought. But the Vols were 6.5-point favorites, but quarterback Joe Milton and his offensive line seemed lost at times just trying to get plays started. The Vols, who now have dropped 17 of his last 19 in the series, were flagged for five fall-star penalties and had to burn two timeouts early in the second half to avoid delay of game penalties. The pre-staff penalties were killing them, Hopel said. The crowd noise may have been affected, who seemingly erred by allowing Florida to substitute before Tennessee's fourth and one play in the third quarter. Scooby Williams stuffed Jalen Wright in the backfield to cause a turnover on downs. The official kicked or moved the ball and respotted it, Hopel said. They allowed substitution. Been a long time since I've seen an official do that. But the Vols failed again on a fourth and down on their next drive, with Milton throwing incomplete to end it. Tennessee finished the night 0-3 on fourth down, and Graham Mertz in Florida were much more comfortable in front of its 90,000 fans. The 12th largest crowd at Florida Field. Man, it got loud, Mertz said. I was on the sideline, and I couldn't hear my coach. In front of me, it was rocking. Mertz, who completed 19 of 24 passes for 166 yards and a touchdown. He also juked a defender on a third down play and later ran for a score. ATN broke a 62-yard touchdown scamper in the first quarter. Johnson had a short scoring run and an 18-yard touchdown reception that made it 26-7 in the second. There were a lot of mistakes on our end, Vols linebacker Aaron Beasley said. We were undisciplined on our part. We misfit a lot of things. A key error down the stretch for Tennessee, leading 29-16. Florida lined up to go for it on 4th and 1 at its own 34. But Karut Garland jumped off sides, handing the Gators a first down and prompting Napier to raise both arms in celebration. Two things went wrong for Florida. Freshman receiver Trey Wilson, who caught Mertz's first six passes, bruised his collarbone and was on the sideline in the sling in the second half. And kicker Adam Mihalki was way short on a 46-yard field goal early and had an extra point blocked. Napier benched Mihalki in favor or, or Trey Smack, who hit both extra points and drilled the 26-yard field goal to give Florida a little cushion. This was an ugly ending, though. The game ended with a scuffle and penalty flags on both teams. Mertz took a knee and then took exception to defensive lineman Amari Thomas running into him. Benches cleared, and Tennessee's defensive back Kamal Hayden and Florida guard Micah Mascua squared off like boxers. Mascua clearly threw a punch. Florida right tackle Damian George was initially flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct, and Thomas was for targeting. 
but neither flag was enforced. That was just the weirdest ending to a game you've seen in a long time. And Hopel and Napier had an icy handshake at midfield before the teams had to return. So, this was a crazy thing to see. But what can we take away from this ball game is, for Tennessee, the Volunteers outgained Florida 393-349 in yards. But Milton threw an interception in the first half in his first in 250 pass attempts at Tennessee and never found a rhythm. He completed 20 of 34 for 287 with two touchdowns and an interception. He also recovered his own fumble. But as for the Gators, the Gators have rebounded nicely from an error-filled opener at then number 14 Utah. They manhandled McNeese last week and now they've beaten Tennessee to give themselves a chance in the Eastern Division. But with the poll implications coming to play, the Volunteers are sure to drop in the next Associate Press Top 25 polls. But in this game, it was the University of Florida Gators who upset the number 11 University of Tennessee Volunteers, 29-16. We'll be right back with our last story of our NCAA college football recap segment. You don't want to miss it. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? Each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Crispin. WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. I'm the Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, The Key, Eddie Noonan, Georgia. And now we're on to our last game of the NCAA college football recap segment. We've got the University of Colorado Buffaloes versus the Colorado State. His mom gave the pregame speech. His defensive back son started the scoring with an 80-yard pick six. His quarterback son with a 98-yard touchdown drive for the ages and overtime not soon forgotten. It was quite a day for Deion Sanders with a bunch of celebrity friends in town to take it all in. Shador Sanders threw a touchdown pass to Michael Harrison in the second overtime after leading the drive to tie the game with 36 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. And number 18, 
Colorado rallied to beat Colorado State 43-35 early Sunday in front of a full house packed with famous names. Sanders connected with Harrison for an 18-yard score and then found an open Xavier Weaver on the two-point conversion. The Colorado defense took it from there with Trevor Woods intercepting Braden Fowler, Nicolosis. Pass on a 4th and 23 to end the game at nearly 12.30. So it set off a celebration as fans rushed the field for a second straight week. This was the biggest 4th quarter comeback for Colorado since 2005, folks. We showed that we have no surrender or give up in us. Buffalo's coach Deion Sanders said they have never doubted themselves. In the first OT, Shador Sanders patiently waited in the pocket until Harrison flashed open for a three-yard score. Fowler, Nicolosi, followed by connecting with Torrey Horton on an eight-yard score. With 2.06 remaining in the fourth quarter, Sanders and the Buffaloes got the ball back on the two-yard line and trailing 28-20. He led a seven-play drive that culminated with a 45-yard touchdown pass to Jimmy Horn Jr. With 36 seconds left, Sanders hit Harrison for the two-point conversion. Well, we do it in practice all the time, so it's not really surprising that we get it there, Sanders said, down that 98-yard drive. It was an incredible moment. A 23-and-a-half-point underdog, the Rams led for a large chunk of the game. They're unraveling with 17 penalties for 182 yards, including a flag for a block below the waist that nullified a touchdown in the second overtime. Rams coach Jay Norvell added spice to the Rocky Mountain showdown earlier in the week by taking a jab at Deion Sanders for not taking off his sunglasses and hat in the interviews. After the game, Sanders and Norvell shook hands near midfield amid a sea of fans. This rivalry has been going on way longer before I got here, said Norville, who's in his second season at Colorado State. It's going to be going on way after I leave. As for the squabble, it's water under the bridge to Sanders. I wish the best to him. Sanders and the Buffaloes fed off the perceived slight all the way into the game. Shiloh Sanders donned sunglasses after his 80-yard interception return for a touchdown in the first quarter, as his proud father raced down the sideline in happiness. Those ticket prices were worth it today, Silas Sanders said. But Shador Sanders finished with 348 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception for the Buffaloes, who won their sixth straight over the Rams. Sanders was missing receiver slash cornerback Travis Hunter, who was ruled out in the third quarter with an undisclosed injury and taken to the hospital for further evaluation. He could be out for a few weeks. Colorado State put a bye week to, to good by using it to find ways to contain Sanders and explosive Colorado offense for moments of the game. The Rams tried to spoil the party hosted by Deion Sanders, who had big deal celebrities in town, such as Dwayne The Rock Johnson and rapper Lil Wayne. Fowler Nicholas had 367 yards and three touchdowns. Receiver Torrey Horton caught a touchdown pass, and threw another on a trick play to tight end Dalen Holker. Every loss hurts, but this one does hurt a little bit more just because they're a division rival. It was, a chippy, at it was chippy at times, with Rams defensive lineman 
Muhammad Kamara getting a finger-in-the-face mask from Shador Sanders after a play. Kamara was later disqualified in overtime for a targeting call on Sanders. The emotions heated up early, too, with both teams gathering at the field after an hour before kickoff. Wow, this was a heated game. But Deion Sanders had turned this Buffalo's team, which was only 1-11 last season, winning their first three games. Unbelievable. With the entertainment, with these huge names of Lil Wayne and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, and the showmanship is truly there, folks, because Coach Prime gave a jersey to Lil Wayne before game time. Festivities were rocking there. But what can we take away from this game? The Rams have lost 17 straight games to ranked teams on the road, according to the Pac-12. But for Colorado, the announced attendance was 53,000 in a game where tickets were going for an average price of $214 a pop. Wow. And the Buffaloes really showed down the stretch that they could get it done under duress and adversity. Winning in overtime, nonetheless, double overtime, and coming down to it, they were down in the game and polling through. But with the poll implications, it'd be hard to say how voters will judge this one. It was an epic comeback for the Buffaloes, but they were a big favorite. But in this game, it was the Colorado Buffaloes who keep rolling with Coach Prime and double overtime by the score of 43-35. We'll be right back with music news. You don't want to miss it. The Baxters have a new first book. From number one New York Times best-selling novelist Karen Kingsbury, author of life-changing fiction, comes The Baxters, a prequel. The heart-pounding story of Carrie Baxter's wedding. Amidst family tension and the worst storm Bloomington, Indiana has seen in a decade. The Baxters, by America's favorite inspirational storyteller, Karen Kingsbury. Visit KarenKingsbury.com for more information. The Baxters, available now wherever books are sold. I'm pretty handy around the house but now that i have kids i don't want to spend my saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner but thankfully there's home advisor home advisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project you can read reviews of the pros check their availability even book appointments online and what my wife loves most is that home advisor is completely free to use go to homeadvisor.com or download the free app to get started home advisor Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Pro Catcher with Corey Bank. On WQEE 99.1, the key at Newton, Georgia. And now, we're on to our music news segment. And our first story is about a rock festival being canceled by extreme weather 
after severe weather resulted in the cancellation of the final two days of the Blue Ridge Rock Festival at the VIR Raceway in Alton, Virginia. Some of the bands on the bill tried to make good with disappointed fans by playing acoustic sets. Among the acts taking to a makeshift stage on Saturday were Papa Roach, Shine Down, and viral country star Oliver Anthony. The event was originally scheduled to take place from Thursday, September 7th through Sunday, September 10th, but due to high winds, rain, and dangerous weather, multiple days were impacted, including the first night when lightning, heavy rain, hail, and strong winds forced the evacuation of the raceway and the cancellation of that night's sets. According to Loudwire, the weather reportedly moved enduring Coheed and Cambria's set just before 7 p.m. Five Finger Death Punch stained Evanescence and Rise Against sets were also called off due to weather. WDBJ reported that the storms on Thursday caused severe damage to campground roads and attendees' tents after extreme heat earlier in the week, impacting staff members felled by heat stroke. The station reported that the hot weather was so intense that even security search dogs needed IVs. An emergency alert from the festival warned fans severe weather approaching. Please exit immediately and seek shelter at your campsite. Vehicle or our shuttle buses, while the music was back on by Friday, including a surprise set from Richmond North of Richmond, singer Anthony, as well as performances from headliners Slipknot and Danzig. Saturday and Sunday's lineups were wiped out when organizers called off the rest of the event due to expected bad weather. With heavy hearts due to this weekend's continued severe weather, we must announce the cancellation of the final days of Blue Ridge Rock Festival. Organizers and statement, your safety and well-being are our foremost concerns. We understand the disappointment this brings. We share immensely in your sadness. Please know that this decision was made with the utmost consideration for everyone involved and focus now is on supporting those. But the organizers said they were working to provide refund details for attendees and said information will be available early this week. This has been an agonizing turn of events for what was such a special weekend. The statement continued, there will be more much for us to unveil in the next coming days. But the call of Sunday's lineup meant Limbiscuit, Pantera, Lamb of God, Baby Metal, Pierce the Veil, Chevelle, and other never got a chance to play. And the unrelated Rammstein singer Till Lindemann's solo set was canceled due to a reported illness. About the final day's cancellation noted that the heavy storms activity and the high winds and rain really caused this to come into play. A number of acts tried to make it through the drenched fans with the video showing Papa Roach doing an acoustic version of Scars. As fans sing along, Shine Down singing Second Chance and Anthony strumming his trusty acoustic for his run through his Billboard number one hit, Rich Men North of Richmond. That's unfortunate to see with such a great festival, but we'll be right back, folks, with more music news. You don't want to miss it. Are you an unsigned artist that's looking to take the next step in your career? Look no further. Your time is now. Joint Empire Troop has come to your rescue. Owners 
Casey Case and Cameron Winokur are ready to make your musical dreams come true. Whether you're looking to record your next track, compose your next project, or need help with mixing and mastering your existing music, we will always be here for you in your time of need. For more information, go to www.joinempiretroop.com. The Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Banks on WQEE 99.1 McKee Attitude in Georgia. And now we're on to our last story of our music news segment. And this is about a famous rapper making an announcement about his new album coming out next. Offset is back. The rapper announced on Thursday, September 14th that his upcoming album, Set It Off, is arriving on October 13th. He shared the announcement on Twitter alongside the album's cover art, which features the star falling from an upside-down city engulfed in flames. Set It Off will serve as a follow-up to his solo 2019 album, Father of Four, which arrived in 2019 and peaked at number four on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. He also released an EP in 2021, Culture 3. Offset's way as a member of Migos. He released four studio albums. Last month, Offset ended his legal battle with Quality Control Music, the label that helped launch Migos' career in August 2022. The rapper, whose real name is Kiari Cephas, filed paperwork in Los Angeles seeking a declaratory judgment that Quality Control has no rights, title, or interest in or to Offset's recordings since he bought out his deal with the company early last year. He alleged that despite buying the rights to his solo works, QC continued to claim ownership over his recordings. And Offset, hope everyone is going to be able to take a look at his new album that's going to be coming out on October 13th. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location. Bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Newman. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at Newton, Georgia. Everyone, thank you for listening in tonight. Thank you, WQEE. Everyone, get home safe, get a great night's sleep, and we'll see you next time. 
Have a great night, everybody. Take care.